Lunch with Pepper Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Well, it's always a pleasure to welcome consumer journalist Wendy Nola to the show. She's with us from a studio in Durban today. Great to chat to you, Wendy. I am indeed. Hi, Pippa. We're going to be talking about the issue of plastic recycling again today because Wendy's got some quite interesting feedback for us on how one of the major retailers has been experimenting with a bit of a new approach. And then after that, it's an open line where you can call in on any consumer query at all. The number to dial 021-446-0567 or you can leave a voice note on 072-567-1567. Now, Wendy, yesterday we heard that Woolworths was going to implement a six-month trial in its Sternberg store here in Cape Town where it's removing single-use plastic bags altogether and only going to offer customers the reusable kind. A part of their plan to phase out single-use plastic bags altogether by 2020. I know yeah. it's only one store and you can certainly ask why do we have to wait until 2020, but at least they're starting the journey. It's and you, start. yeah, Exactly. I mean, I was in Munich a couple of weeks ago. I went into a... Um, a supermarket and there was absolutely no plastic. You either bought a cloth one or a paper a paper bag and that was it and people just get on with it. Mm. You know, when there's no alternative you make a plan and it's, it certainly irks me that is it what, something like 15 years since the implementation of this, you know, the plastic you know, bag levy. Pa- yeah. yeah, you go to any supermarket across the demographics and you'll find people, most people buying their plastic. So, I say, yes, let's get on with this now. Let's start um, sort of forcing the change in a way. Absolutely. There's just no need for it. I can't remember the last time I bought one of them because I've simply got into the habit of carrying my reusable bags it's, with me all the time. And it couldn't word, be easier. Yeah. It's a habit. You it, can cultivate a habit and exactly. then it becomes your habit. Okay. Yeah. We're actually not talking about the bags today, no, though. <laughs> Wendy, you recently engaged with Woolworths about another small experience, again, in a single store, and again, a store here in Cape Town, but also linked to the issue Always of plastic waste. Yeah. Yes. Tell us a bit more about what you trial, saw. If you're going to trial anything green, you do um, it here. <laughs> Cape Town will be the city, yes. So last month, the Palmyra Junction store introduced a shiny new recycling machine. It was mm-hmm. like a very... Um, Interesting concept and obviously fascinating the shoppers um, from what I could see. It's essentially a receptacle for packaging which can be recycled. So you punch in your cell number because they want to know who you are and be able to get in touch with you. And then you shove in the bottle or the can or whatever into a hole literally. Mm -hmm. And provided that that product's barcode has been scanned into the machine and they're obviously still in the process of, you know, inputting new barcodes all the time, it will accept it and then you'll get a thank you on your on your cell phone in the form of an SMS and some points and we'll talk about this just now but I think in time they're going to link it to the reward system so it's very ah. nice warm fuzzy uh, whatever so when I visited a couple of weeks ago I saw kids very excitedly um, feeding the machine I even saw a couple of grown-ups taking selfies of themselves <laughs> at the machine so it really is recycling made sexy and why not and as somebody I think one of the managers commented it's for a lot of people um, recycling can be quite sort of messy if you go to a, a, a recycling plant yourself or whatever or a depot. Mm. This is very clean and convenient, and there's, there's no smells. You know, it's all very nice and 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 you know, recycling made easy as it were. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about what's happened in the month since that machine went in. But just as an, uh, off the side, what what goes into that machine is it only accepting items that were bought at Woolworths, or can you take oh, no, um, no. items from no, any not store? Not at all. Good question. No, any. As long as the barcodes are there, um, obviously a regular Woolies customers will have a lot of Woolies products to feed in there, but um, no, 
it's it's across the board. As long as the product, as I say, the barcode has been inputted, okay. it will accept it rather than spitting it out at you. But I mean, as I say, it's a very, very small, very niche sample. But mm. here you have a recycling machine that's actually monitoring who and who's doing the recycling and, and what they're recycling. So it's, it's always nice to have a little bit of data to, to play with Absolutely. and to, to so, look at. So yeah. we've only got one month of the, one, one month's worth of data, September. but what is it telling us? Okay, so last month, 191 people brought their bottles and cans to recycle, and a whopping 73% of them were women. Hmm. 40% of those doing the recycling were aged 19 to 25. That was the biggest group, which is interesting, isn't it? I would have thought slightly older, but I love that it was such a young demographic, and that because, you know, obviously they're our future. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, so 191 people have used it so far. 73% of them female is, uh, I don't know, perhaps not. Not that surprising when you given when you look at who does most of the grocery shopping well, in this country. It is still predominantly women. It's not surprising, except and we're going to speak to um, Woolies in a minute. But mm-hmm. when they trialled it in the at the head office in Cape Town for, for quite a few months before putting it in store, and in the first month in August at that Palmyra store. The men were predominantly doing the recycling. So I don't know what happened with those figures, but okay. <laughs> it would seem that the September figures were more sort of typical of your um, recycling patterns. But, yeah, so the numbers are, are a little odd in the first months. Okay, well, yeah. let's let's find out a little bit more about this. We've got on the line with us Feroz Kur, who's the head of sustainability for the Woolworths Group. And, Feroz, thank you for your time this afternoon. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Papa. Thanks for having me. What uh, can you tell us about what people were bringing in to recycle in the machine? Do you have any stats on, on what was actually physically collected? Yes, we do. Um, and so pre- it's predominantly plastic bottles. I think um, they're easy to transport. The machine is, is the receptacle is, is is convenient to to accept bottles. And so in the main, we see uh, plastic PET bottles. So your yep. water bottles, your cool drink juice, um, those kind of things. Um, and then those are followed by a mix of things like uh, milk bottles or, you know, the Statropack milk uh, cartons or juice cartons and so on. So it's smaller smaller items primarily. Okay. Is that what you expected when you put the machine in? Uh, in the main, yes. Um, so we did trial the machine at our head office for six months, and it, it kind of mirrored the, what we saw here as well. So it, it, it's not a surprise to us. Okay. Now, given what you've seen happen over the past month and uh, considering the cost of the machine itself and what happens next, is it something you'll consider rolling out to other stores? I mean, it's, it's been very well received, as, um, as Wendy indicated. I mean, the, with the morning she visited, we had so many customers coming in, and, um, you know, we couldn't have had it... Uh, planned it better, I mean, which we didn't plan, we had bringing a variety of things in, and our engagement with them indicated that they really um, enjoy the, the ability to bring this kind of, the convenience of the machine, uh, the ability to bring products back while they're shopping and so on. So we've, uh, we've added a second machine, uh, also in Cape Town, it's at our V&A store, um, it's our first large full-line store that we're trialing it in, so it's a different environment. Um, the machine is in store currently. It's busy being installed. Um, the software is being updated and so on. It should be operational by the end of the week. Okay. So V&A Waterfront Shoppers, look out for that one as well. Um, for us, what happens to, to the waste that's been collected once that machine is full? Where does it go? Okay. So firstly, the machine, it's, it's a smart machine. It's, it's connected. So it's, it, it's monitored uh, 24-7 and we're able to read the, how full the machine is remotely and get alerts when it's when it's about halfway and, and then three quarter full and we we then send uh, one of our recycling partners to um to collect the waste um and it's a small black owned business based in cape town female owned 
uh, recycler. Um, she collects uh, um, all the product, takes it back to her facility, sorts out whatever is in there, and sends it off to the appropriate recycler. Now, Wendy, I gather you got a chance to go and spend some time at that sorting uh, facility. Tell us what you saw. Okay, very interesting. Um, Recycle First is called, um, and uh, there were 40, imagine like one huge sort of warehouse room kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, 40 sorters, men and women going through waste. She, The owner has um, 1,300 clients, 70% of them residential, so homes. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, I must say, first of all, one of the biggest pluses of, of the machine that, that Woolies has is that everything that is lands up in it is recyclable because if it isn't the machine spits it back out right so okay. so they're getting the plant is getting 100% um recyclable stuff um well there's a difference between recyclable and actually being recycled and and there's a market for it but that's that's a story for another day but um these 40 sorters um, were routinely, I think they were sorting into something like 24 different forms of paper, plastic, etc. cetera. Um, office paper, very in demand, and so um, undamaged wine bottles. But 14%, which is quite a lot, 14% of what comes in from predominantly homes and some businesses is not being recycled and has to then be separated out and and diverted to landfill, which is quite sad. So things like Pringletons, those six packs of mini yogurts, the big tubs they recycle, the little ones, no. Um, And then mostly what uh, the industry calls thermoforms. So those plastic containers, Pippa, that you might Mm -hmm. buy strawberries in or grapes or your hummus or, you know, those sort of things or your your tray of meat, not polystyrene, it's a plastic tray. Those are PET, and this is the confusing part. The the number on them is number one, the the, the plastics number, um, and it so PET is very sought over by recyclers. So avid recyclers would think, oh, you know, PET, this is def, it's number one, it's going in the, with the recycling. Now, no, PET is the poster child for plastic recycles, recycling. A record 2.15 billion PET bottles were recycled in South Africa last year, according to Petco, the PET recycling company. And that's a recycle rate of 65%, which is one of the best in the mm. world. It's about double that of the U.S. Yeah. So it's, it's, it really is a huge win. It creates thousands of jobs. Those used plastic bottles are turned into fiber full for duvets and pillows and, and those fruit trays, incidentally, um, those thermal forms, car carpets, insulation, all sorts of things, and of course, even brand new bottles. And it saves a lot of space in the landfill, and it reduces um, plastic uh, pollution, obviously. But now we need to know why, and I didn't know this until I I started working on the story, why when there's a number one for PET on those thermoforms, as opposed to a bottle, say, why can those containers and trays not be recycled? Feroz, are you able to explain that for us? Yeah, so as Wendy indicated, um, they are made out of PET, which is um, entirely recyclable, but in the form that they take when they are created into these tubs, or as they call thermal forms, once the the, the plastic is produced, the PET film is produced, they are coated in silicon uh, before the the shape is sponged, uh, the tub or whatever it's made into. Mm. The reason they do that is for transport purposes, so they transport it in bulk in, a, in what they call a nested form. So you know, one in another, in another, in another. Yes. In order to separate them, once they get into into factories and production environments, to be easily separated and filled, the silicon makes it easy for that to happen. And because of that coating, 
it, uh, they can't put it back into the to the uncoated recycling stream because we have so, so the uncoated uh, PET. You know, Wendy indicated the the volumes that are getting recycled. These would contaminate that recycling stream, and so they don't go into the the standard PET recycling. It's because of the silicon coating. Okay. All right. Thanks for explaining that. Um, there is uh, some good news here. I believe there is a possibility that going forward, it is going to be possible to recycle them. Is that correct for us? Yes. Well, we've we've done a, a, a trial with um, with the uh, Petco, the the PET recycling company, the, the the responsible company in South Africa, and one of their member companies called ExtraPet, which is a recycler. And we worked with them and said, look, this, we know this is a problem, and let's see what we can do out of this. Is there something we can do with it? And through some trial and error, what, they, they came up with a few options. And in fact, uh, one of the examples, what, one of the things that they did is they managed to, to spin it into a fiber which can be used in the automotive industry as a, mm-hmm. as a liner for motor car boots. And what's great about that is that it's an existing um, and established market that ExtraPet has um, that they supply into. And so creating a, a, a recycled product for an established market makes it easy for, for you to increase the, the volumes of recycling. So, so this is quite exciting. It's just, it's just one trial. It was fairly successful. And so we can see what else we can do and how we can expand it. So, I mean, it's, it's great. It's a problem globally. And, and we, we're glad that we can, we can do our bit to try and, and, and you know, to, to make a difference in that space. That's good news indeed for us, Kur. Thank you so much for chatting to us, Head of Sustainability for the Woolworths Group. Wendy, in the meantime, of course, uh, it means those, those, those nestable items can't go into the recycling stream because they're just going to end up on landfill anyway. So yeah. uh, what, what's the creating, advice for the listeners? Yeah. Well, it's creating energy to get it there and then energy for these sorters to put it elsewhere, you know, to put it, take it out and put it in a separate bag and then it's got to go to the landfill. So for now, until further notice, and I'll be sure to, to say when, you know, you know, give the all clear to start putting it in with the plastic, keep it out. Unfortunately, much, as much as it hurts, it hurts me. Put it in with your normal, re- re- Landfall destined um, refuse. Mm. Um, so anything, if it's PET, it's got number one in it. It's good if it's in the form of a bottle or something that you can't nest. But as soon as you, it, it's a stackable kind of thing, a container, then um, don't don't recycle it. Okay. Um, so you, yeah. Okay. Obviously, let's just repeat a couple of the things that you do want to be recycling: those water bottles, your milk bottles, yes. uh, Tetra Pak. They different form on the of list, definitely yeah. Tetra Tetra Pak, and they love you if you can rip out the plastic bits and separate it. the layers. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it comes with a, when I said that to, to the recycler, she was like, "Oh, you're a recycling a gold consumer for recycling." <laughs> just because I've visited so many of these plants, you know how it works. Yeah. Less work for them, yeah. Um, so, um, cling film, sandwich bags, squeezable bottles, grocery bags, polystyrene, uh, obviously the plastic juice and the water bottles and your milk bottles. And those the big yogurt tubs are, are The are big recyclable. yogurt tubs, just Absolutely. not those little, I mean, I saw so many of these sorters just pulling out these little six packs. Again, unless you're told, you don't really know that that yeah. isn't, they're not recycling. I must those. confess, apologies to Cool Waste because I've been putting that into my recycling bin every week, not knowing any better. So thanks for, for putting us right. <laughs> um, I just want to mention last month, um, I think one of the weeks you were away, Wendy, we actually did a segment with a guest on what the different recycling numbers 
numbers mean? Numbers one, two, three, yes. four, five, six, seven. Yes. I just want to say we're going to retweet the link to that podcast on the Cape Talk Twitter, Twitter feed right now. So if anybody, I can see already a few questions coming through. Can I recycle this? What about that? Please go and listen to that podcast. I'll also try and find the podcast on Eco Bricks because again, a few people saying to me, I put all my non-recyclables into an Eco Brick and what can go in and what can't go in. So Amanda and others will retweet that podcast with Ian Domasa of the Eco Brick Exchange as well uh, that you can listen to at your leisure. Um, yeah, baby steps, but at least they are steps forward, Wendy. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of us are sort of flying blind with the recycling, making assumptions about things that look like they, they're recycl- recyclable or being recycled. But unless someone specifically says no, and this is the reason why, you know, we don't know. So knowledge is power. Absolutely. Well, thank you for what you're doing to increase our knowledge, Wendy. After the news break, we'll be back with an open line. So get dialing now on 021-446-0567. Consumer Talk. Open line. That's your cue to start dialing 021-446-0567 with your consumer questions for Wendy. You're also welcome to leave a voice note on 072-567-1567 or do what Jean has done uh, on the SMS line. Send a message to 31567. Jean, who signs herself as a senior citizen, Wendy, says, I owe a leading retailer 270 rand. I missed payment of 70 rand this month and I'm now being handed over. What recourse, if any, do I have? Gosh, that sounds like a very quick handover. Mm, that's what I um, thought too. Um, well, she should have been informed f- before the handover. Um, there are a whole lot of procedures that should have happened. That sounds very, very um, quick off the mark there. Um, so if she wants to email me about that, um, I'll, I'll have a look with all the details, please. There may be something missing in that account, but it does sound premature to me. Okay, Jean. So if you'd like of course, to... Once, sorry, Jean. Yeah. Once it's handed over, you get... Their costs plus interest plus plus. So it becomes yeah. really expensive, which is why there are all these procedures in place to give the consumer every opportunity to pay before that Before that happens, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Jean, please send an email to, to Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R, consumer at nola.co.za. Just put Cape Talk, um, hand it over, um, or maybe put hand it over. Work. You hand it over at uh, in your subject line, and Wendy will keep an eye out for that and and see if she can uh, give you some feedback on that. Otherwise, uh, Jean, you can send it to me, Pepper H at CapeTalk.co.za, and I'll gladly forward it on as well. Um, all right, uh, let's go to the lines. Kirk in Milnerton. Good afternoon to you. Hello, uh, Pepper. Um, I would just like to thank Wendy for the great work that she does. Indeed, um, she's currently handling an issue for my daughter with a car dealership. Um, and she is so proficient, efficient, um, and is so great with feedback. Um, and I listen to the show regularly in her segment, or this segment, and um, I only hear positive things about Wendy. And being from Durban myself many years ago, I know her good work extends back for many years. So kudos to her, Aww. and thank you for having her on the show. She really is a great contributor to South Africa, never mind your show. She really is. Kirk, oh, wow. Yeah, thank you. thank you so much for making that phone call as well. Wendy, take a bow. And I think it oh, is actually... Made my week. You, how many years have you been doing this now? Wasn't there a big anniversary a week or two it ago? It was 20 years on the 2nd of October. 20 yeah. years you've been it's at not, it. So, yeah. I've and you still haven't given up in exhaustion. I'm um, impressed. Just warming up. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies again to all those who think, oh, well, she's great. Everyone says so. Let me email her. Oh, 
two weeks have gone. I haven't heard from her. How useless. I'm sorry. I just, um, yeah, I'm a victim of, of a, a track record and I don't get to everyone. So whenever somebody compliments me, I always feel the need to say, and I'm sorry to all of those these cases I didn't take. Yes, I have to say that. Put my hand up and say I, I, I cannot handle every single case, but I do do my best. That is fair, and we know that you do. And Kirk, thank you for taking the time to phone through and express that sentiment, which we certainly share. Thank you. Um, just before we go to our next caller, Carol, thank you for asking a question I meant to ask before the news headlines. Uh, regarding that recycling machine, Wendy, does everybody have to wash their items before they go into the machine? Um, they do recommend it, um, but obviously you don't want to sort of win with the environment on one hand and, and lose on the other, especially water. in Cape Town. Yes. So use your grey water. Um, it doesn't have to be scrupulously clean, but obviously it's going into a store environment. You don't want sort of stinky stuff yes, um, some sticky sitting in there, just, just as a consideration to everybody else. Um, it, I, I looked carefully at the stuff that was coming into the plant, not just from the machine, obviously from everywhere else, um, from those 1,300 clients. And I was surprised because most of it was fairly clean. It mm-hmm. wasn't a you know, terribly stinky, horrible, gungy uh, place. So I think most consumers that are into recycling have learned to just do a quick rinse with their dishwashing water yes. or, or some other kind of grey water before they um, submit it for recycling. Carol, an important point though to make. Thank you so much for your Very email. So. Um, I, what I usually do is um, I, if there's, you know, there's always the odd corner in the dishwasher when you want to run a load and maybe that the too. forks and knives are full do but that. not the top. I yes. stick in the yogurt tubs and things Cans up there as well. Because yeah. why yeah. not? If you're running it and using the water. Anyway. Make use exactly. of it. Good yeah. point. Okay, let's go back to the lines and say good afternoon to Margaret in Mitchell's Plain. Nice to have you with us, Margaret. I thank you for taking a call. And, sure. Um, thanks, Papa and Wendy. I, Wendy, yes, I need to know, I've noticed for a while now that um, your Kutamata sauce, chutney, Mrs. Bolt, um, needs to be refrigerated after opening. And then the other one is fish paste, which you can't use after 10 days. Uh, okay. Do you know anything about uh, if there's maybe the ingredients is, may may be has it been changed or anything like that? Sorry, I'm not sure, sure what you mean, Margaret. Are you saying that the the dates have been shortened from what they were before? No, not the dates. With the chutney and tomato sauce, after opening, yeah. you must refrigerate it. Yes. But you can still go with the expiry date on it. The so best before date. Is your question but why that is so, Margaret? Why it needs yes, to be in the fridge? Because I used to have it in the in the cupboard. But now oh, okay. it's in the fridge and because of my sensitive teeth. Now I'm take it out and leave it to get <sighs> the room. Oh, okay. I thought of that. You know, Margaret's hit on a sort of a family argument in our household, uh, Wendy, because one half of the family insists on putting the tomato sauce in the fridge and the other one insists on leaving it in the cupboard. I'm not going to say which one's which. The bottles, <laughs> the bottles do say you are supposed to refrigerate after opening. Yes. Um, Look, I don't think, and certainly living in hot, humid Durban, I am certainly not going to be one that um, defies a manufacturer's um, uh, instructions. Before, um, let me just say, the, the, the labeling regulations have become a lot stricter in recent years, Margaret. And so it's um, beholden upon the manufacturers to give 
the consumers very clear, specific instructions about the best way they feel that their product integrity must be maintained. In other words, that it's going to be at its best for their, for during its, its, its shelf life, and shelf includes fridge. So anything that says refrigerate after opening, I would do it, especially when you're thinking of a product like fish, say no more. Um, mm. You're going to be getting mold on that product very fast if you leave it out, especially during summer. Um, and the, there are obviously ingredients, there's fruit, uh, processed fruit uh, in that uh, chutney product. It has got a high level of a high amount, uh, um, concentration of sugar in it as well, which will sort of act as a preservative. But if it says refrigerate after opening, then I would do it. And the same goes for the tomato sauce because the, nobody knows the product better than the manufacturer. Yeah. And that's what they are advising us to do in order to protect the product and make sure it's as fresh and safe as possible. Better to be safe than sorry. So, Margaret, I'm afraid maybe just get into the habit of uh, taking it out in advance. A decanting little, you know, a little bit. Decanting a bit perhaps if you know you're going to have, have need of it a little bit later in the day. An interesting point for raising, though. Thanks so much for your call this afternoon. Um, Bev asking on the WhatsApp line saying she's heard that there's new evidence that silicon is no longer viewed as as safe as was originally claimed, uh, um, including talking about silicon-coated cooking pans as well as those uh, silicon-coated plastic food containers you were talking about. She's asking if you've got any comment on that. Wendy, were you aware of any research suggesting that it's not safe? No, I'm not. I will certainly do some Googling, but as always with with, uh, Google, one has to be very careful to look at the source. Yeah. So you have a lot of so-called health experts of the Gwyneth Paltrow variety who... Um, spout a lot of stuff without a scientific um, a goop. substantiation. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so so look for some you know scientific reports, studies, etc. Um, to back up you know to, to, when you're investigating a scare claim. Um, so the so the source is everything Absolutely. and concentration, but that's a story for a whole other show. Okay, but I'll definitely have a look at that. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Bev. Before we go to our next call, I did really want to make to, uh, time to share some feedback from one of our previous callers, Wendy Pam Napier, who phoned in a couple of weeks ago about her multifocal um, specs yes. that weren't working so well for her. I remember and, um, well. It was such a, a, a well, it wasn't a nice story for her, but it's had a happy ending that and a lot of lessons to be learned from the happy ending. Let me just recap. She'd bought these glasses less than six months ago, and you advised her, given that she was still within that six-month CPA window, yes. she should take them back and insist on them being replaced or repaired, etc. Um, and uh, what feedback did she give to you? So she visited the store, which was Spec Savers at Blue Root Mall, and she spoke to the man who had arranged her new lenses, lenses and frames for her back in March. Um, and... Well, originally she was told um, their policy is, you know, you uh, you have to report something within 30 days if there's a problem. So then she went back with her new filed, found CPA knowledge of the six-month warranty period, and then she was immediately assisted by Andre. She said he was extremely helpful and that um, they would uh, re-examine her eyes, and she said she was happy for him to check the lenses against the examination of the optometrist. And all in all, the upshot was that her glasses were not sitting correctly on her face. And after tightening the nose guards, the problem was resolved, which is great. She did say, though, that uh, uh, she did want to caution that she said, be very careful when choosing your frames for very focal or what many of us would call multifocal lenses. Um, Ask the assistant to place them exactly where you would want them to sit on your face. 
um, if possible, and don't leave it too long to resolve a problem as she did. So she says she's, she feels they're just sort of slightly higher on her face than she would have wanted, but I think that's probably as a result of where they were sitting on her face during the examination process or whatever. But a nice word of caution there, I think, to be very careful about um, having the glasses sit in exactly the right place because you can imagine how fun these little focal um, mm-hmm. calculations must be. So, yeah, she's she's now not having the same problem, but the glasses are sitting in a slightly different place, place from where she, she wants would them. ideally have wanted them to be, yeah. Okay. So a couple of lessons learned at Pam's expense there, but Pam, thank you for that feedback, and Wendy, thanks for following up on her case and helping her uh, see straight, which is very appropriate, given that tomorrow <laughs> is World Sight Day, and we're doing an entire oh, show about sight okay, tomorrow. Okay, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, felt I had to squeeze that one in today, given Good. that fact. Okay. Good promo. So let's yeah. get back to, to recycling, and we've got Shaheen on the line from Belhar. Good afternoon, Shaheen. Hello, Papa. My service provider loves you. I nearly waited 10 minutes. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Shane. No. <laughs> Thank you for holding on. <laughs> Papa, uh, I'd like to comment on the recycling. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a principle called the cradle-to-grave principle. And uh, you, 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 uh, in the gra- it was said there now that um, those products that cannot be recycled, they are normally landfilled. Now, um, there's a great demand for land. So uh, what happens now is that they're moving towards incineration. And again, incineration in this country is very inefficient. It's been found that uh, many of these incinerators uh, operate at uh, substandard, and Mm. they produce dioxins and furans, and we all breathe it in. And they produce weird diseases, which is now uh, becoming uh, prevalent, uh, e- even to the effect that it affects your hormones and you can have gender changes or gender different uh, leniences. Thank you. Shaheen, so Shaheen's touched on again issue, the Wendy of me. Be careful that if in trying to, to be mindful in one part, we Solve don't one cause, problem, we cause another create, environmental problem yes. somewhere else. Yes, yeah. of course the other, the, the, this is, I mean, we could go on for hours, but you've got other solutions such as biodegradability and a lot of people, especially I suppose understandably in the recycling sphere, will say you need to interrogate what that means. Yeah. How, how, how long will it take to break up over how many years? It's not like you put it in the ground and it's gone. It's not in a, in a compostable so environment. A lot, yeah. of, a, a lot of that, but those biodegradable um, claims are actually greenwashing. Yeah. And then, of course, there's reusing as was the eco bricks. And I think of many people... Um, knew that those thermoforms, those those PET nestable containers, were not recyclable. Maybe currently they would be using them for other things before just landfilling. So yeah. with kids for painting, for whatever, for storage, they have it. Most of them have quite a nice seal on them. You know, we could find other things to do with them rather than landfilling them until such time as they they are being. Um, Recycled in significant numbers, yeah. so it's it is a it is a, a very much bigger picture, um, absolutely, than just um, you know recycling or whatever. Yeah. And what can can't be recycled? We can do other things that keep them away from a landfall. And I have to agree with Andres, who's just sent us an SMS to three one five six seven. Um, Andres saying the really big issue about recycling, and Woolworths says how much food they're selling in that is not in recyclable packaging. As much as Wendy, we can admire what they're doing to make it easier to recycle, we 
we've got to be applying pressure on them to stop using the non-recyclable packaging in the first place. Uh, Andres' comment is their PR is exceptional, but their food packaging is rotten. Uh, he goes on to say the even bigger issue is that upwards of 70 75% of total waste is actually being created upstream of the consumer. It must be easier to target producers, distributors, etc., rather than the consumers. Okay. Andre says, obviously, we need consciousness to shift behavior and consumers to apply pressure. Yeah. This is such a complicated issue, and packaging is one of my all-time um, favorite topics. Mm. So you also – there are other forms of, of, of waste and, and landfill issues. So if the food is not properly um, protected by rigid enough packaging – the food's going to be wasted, yeah. either before it gets to sale or after. We're not going to buy it because the looks, icing on yeah. the cupcake is smudged or, you know, whatever. Or the fruit is, is um, bruised or whatever. So there is that imperative. Yes, we all like to bash packaging, but by the same token, we don't want to buy food that or other products that are, that is not pristine, right? So the packaging has to p- be sturdy enough, robust enough to fulfill that function. And that's why thermoforms are so popular, actually, because that's very, very thin plastic that's actually rigid. Yes. So um, they can use a minimal amount of plastic to create quite a lot of protection for the product. Um, but Andres, I absolutely agree. And in a column I wrote just this week about this issue, I did say uh, in terms of what we consumers can do, we can put pressure on the suppliers, on the manufacturers and the retailers, um, in some cases that's both, um, to package their stuff in, 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 in forms of plastic or other forms of packaging which are already widely recycled. So a polystyrene tray, for example, and cling wrap, both those um, mm. forms of plastic are, are widely recycled. Or um, the, there's another polyprop, which is the plastic that the, the bottle caps are made of. So you've got your um, PET for the bottles themselves and the caps are another form of um, plastic or polyprop, which is in demand for recycling. So they can make a tray out of that, for example, kind of thing, and that would be recycled. So I think that that's very, very good advice for we consumers to use our power to bring pressure to bear on the, on, on the suppliers to do what we want them to do in terms Absolutely. of um, environmentally, environmentally friendly or sustainable practices. I'm interested to hear what Heather has to tell us. Heather's on the line from Wetton and I think wants to share an experience from an international perspective on public participation in recycling. Heather, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pippa. Pippa, I'm so impressed with your program and well done. And Thank you. And we've got to with for starting this with the a machine and the bottles. I've been in Germany, my husband and I, for almost three months. And in Hamburg, when you go to these supermarkets, just outside the store, they've got this machine. So um, what the, the people do is they bring all the empty bottles, small ones, big ones, whatever size. And you just feed it into this machine. And the ones that the machine is programmed to accept, they take, which is almost all. Mm-hmm. And those that they don't, they, it spits it out again. So those you have to take home with you and then dispose of. But then they actually pay you. They pay you 25 cents for a bottle. Oh. So all your water bottles, all your small little bottles that you buy, cool drinks or even the big ones, you know, like the Coke and that, they accept these bottles and they pay you. And I mean, we would go there with this bag and we would get like five euro, you know. Goodness. So I think that's actually a good way that people can um, get rid of the plastic and get compensated. 
because there's nothing Absolutely. like incentivizing people to make them cooperate, Heather. That's really interesting. Wendy, you did say yes. Woolies are looking at making I'm, I'm so a points accumulation. Pharaohs, they, they haven't finalized it. So, yes, you do get points. And in other markets, other countries, they all sorts of wonderful rewards um, that, that – uh, People will get. You notice what Heather's describing. The machine is exactly how it. How it sounds just like the Woolies here. one. Yes. It's, yeah. It's it's the same technology. Um, so I was told by the Woolies people on that day when I was in that Palmyra store that some countries, for example, will dispense dog food because obviously people who recycle are sort of the sort of you know bigger picture kind of people. And this dog food they would then give to homeless dogs or dog shelters or whatever. And this, so it sort of perpetuates the feel good factor there from the recycling um, and there as well people who are participating in a supermarkets reward system or outreach you can earn points which you can then use for yourself or donate to one of the charities or whatever so that as I say that that's definitely in the pipeline because um, this sort of rewarding you for for doing the right thing and, and bringing back and, and recycling is, is an international norm now so it's just going to be adapted for the South African market and we can come back in a future show and talk about how it's actually panned out but that's definitely going to be part of the process. Fantastic. Heather thank you so much for that very useful uh, feedback on the international experience as well um, Zuki on the subject of the tomato sauce saying she keeps her tomato sauce and chutney in a dark cupboard after opening and hasn't had problems up to now even after several months. I guess it comes down to how quickly you use it as well a good piece of advice. The temperature though, of your yes, cupboard Yes the temperature of the <laughs> cupboard as well definitely uh, Margaret if you're still listening just a piece of advice from Brenda, particularly with your fish paste, she suggests that you use a different knife uh, for the fish paste Very than you do advice. for the butter because you can cross-contaminate, which also um, decreases its life expectancy if I put it that way. Thanks for that helpful yeah, feedback, Yeah, I think the Brenda. butter going in there, which is the most common contaminant, is not going to do much for its shelf life. Okay. Let's move away from recycling and fish paste onto data <laughs> rights. Another one of your favorite oh, topics, gosh. Wendy. Charles, thank you for holding for so very long and so patiently. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for taking the call. Sure. Um, I just want to question. I've got a, a data contract with Cell C. We uh, get 10 gigs of data every month as well as unlimited airtime. But the last couple of months, I've only been using like four or five gigs. And that's and but they they say they transfer your your cell phone data for your airtime, but they're not transferring the data for the for your the data you don't use. So this month I went over my data, so they quickly charge me. I said, well, what about oh. the five gigs of data I don't use every month? I don't treat credit for it. They don't carry it over. So what is your rights on that? Oh gosh, Charles, mm. don't get me started. It's preposterous, is all I can say. So, Casa earlier this year, I think it was around May, yeah. introduced some regulations which we discussed at length on this show. One of which was that, um, well, the CPA says that anything you pre purchase needs to be available to you in terms of redeeming it and getting the use of it for up to uh, three years. But um, the cell phone industry doesn't, um, for, for obvious reasons, um, feel that that should apply to them. So um, they've been doing exactly what you described, Charles. And so the regulations were not quite that they, it must be available for three years, but that you could um, 
you could roll it over and in certain circumstances um, for a certain amount of a, a, a month or two, for example, and that you couldn't you had to use the older data first instead of the new one, which which is what they do to make your your data that you've paid for expired. They were sort of trying to put a stop to a lot of um, data that it was prepaid being wasted, or you could gift it to somebody else on the same network. Blah blah blah. The networks then put up a big fuss, and months have gone by, and we've heard nothing mm. since. So they've appealed, and basically, in a nutshell, Charles, it's business as usual for them. They're doing exactly what you describe, and as you say, when you don't, you know, you you quickly overcharged if you go over in a particular month for whatever reason. But you've had months of underusing, and oh no, that's just quietly forgotten about. Um, I, a few consumers' issues make me as wild as mm. this one, um, and I hate being able, to, I hate having to sit and say, "What can I do?" But what can I do except say, "It's unconscionable," which is a lovely CPA word. I really think, in this country, with what we get charged for our data. Um, compared to other to nations, and yeah. how important it is for us in our life, you know, to make to get ahead in life for our, for our um, occupations, etc. I just, uh, well, I hope I'm still a consumer journalist when this issue is finally sorted out. And you know what? We need consumer pressure to make it happen. That's the only thing that's going to, consumer and political pressure. Um, I like to think it's going to happen sooner than later. But for mm. now, unfortunately, Charles, you're sitting with the injustice of having to um, lose data you haven't used and then pay the next month when you go over. Yeah. Okay, Charles, all, uh, the only solace I can give you is that you are not alone in that complaint. No, there are reams and reams of not. us in the same uh, position. Let's end with, um, this is now, I think, the third time this issue has been raised on our SMS line. So thank you, Tina in Belleville, for reminding me about what Anthea told me two weeks ago and somebody else before then. Are they the only people finding that the quality of tissues has gone down and that uh, they're getting thinner all the time and no matter what brand you buy, they are tearing and they're full of holes. You've got to end up using two or three tissues to get the full use of them. Wendy, have you experienced any complaints Goodness about that? Goodness me, I actually haven't, and I, I do consume uh, tissues, all brands, um, the cheapest I can find, and I can't say that I have found that to be a particular problem. Maybe I should do a little search in my inbox and see if people have been writing me emails that I haven't spotted. Um, but I'm certainly, look, it's not regulated, so... Um, that is one way they can they can tell you that you're getting 150 tissues or 180, and that's another tip. You must always look at the number. The boxes will look the same size, yes, but, but they're the, not necessarily the, packs, the same But they're not size. necessarily so. Look at that when beyond the prices. Um, but uh, so they can say that tissues are. They have to say how big the tissues tissues are and how many there are in the box. But there's nothing regulating the actual quality and the thickness of it. So that's where they're going to cut court corners, unfortunately, yeah. as well. So find a brand that's not doing that, where they're not sacrificing the quality, and stick with it. I'm afraid that's the only real advice I can give because it's not illegal. Okay. That issue. Yeah. Yeah. On that uh, sneezable note, time for us to say <laughs> goodbye with Wendy. Uh, let me just share your details again. If somebody wants to send you a question, the email is consumer at nola.co.za or they find you on your Facebook page, which is? Wendy Nola Consumer. Wendy Nola Consumer. Please just a reminder, if you are sending a question, put the words Cape Talk in the subject line and just one or two descriptor words to indicate what the issue is about. Uh, Wendy, as always, great to have you with us. Look forward to chatting again next week. Lovely. Thanks so much, Pippa.